I'm Dr. Jamie Grant. I'm a bossy femme bottom, and this is Just Sex, Mapping Your Desire. Listeners may know me as the founder of the Desire Mapping Workshop, which I've offered for the past 10 years on college campuses, at LGBTQ leadership and health conferences in the U.S., and at global human rights conferences on women's and LGBTI health, rights, and liberation. Desire Mapping has been a hit in Cape Town and Beijing, in St. Petersburg, Russia, and Wellington, New Zealand, and in the U.S. I've crisscrossed the country from Denver to Dallas to Detroit to D.C., This fall, I'm bringing the workshop to Seattle for the first time, and then back to Minneapolis for a series of community events. Just Sex, Mapping Your Desire is a desire travelogue of sorts, a sharing of the questions I've posed to people of all races, genders, sexualities, ages, and abilities in many different languages, cultures, and geographies, and the answers mappers have so generously offered about their sex and desire. Over the course of a decade of mapping, I've discovered a single commonality that might surprise you. The singular thing that desire mappers have in common is this. We all lie about what we want. We lie to strangers, we lie to our beloveds, and most of all, we lie to ourselves. Every single mapper I've met who has been willing to dig into that file cabinet, that place where we hold our most sacred and significant memories of intimacy, connection and yearning, has found gaps between what we actually want in those precious moments of connection and what we have been willing to ask for, how we have represented ourselves, and what we ultimately did or received. In each episode, I'll interview someone who has taken or led a desire mapping workshop and ask them about a point on their map. Often we will look at that perilous gap the gap between who we are in our waking and walking life, our identities, and who and what we want to do in bed. The reality is that all of us have had to fight for and form our identity and our sexuality with multiple forces working against us. Racism, sexism, queer, trans, and biphobias, and sex phobias. We've had to push back against the expectations and agendas of our parents, our mentors, the interwebs, churches, coaches, and sometimes even our closest friends. Desire Mapping asks us to look deeply at our sex stories for clues about our true selves, the true selves we may have left behind in that struggle. This week, I'm in Seoul, South Korea, at the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, and Intersex Association's Asia Regional Meeting. I'm hanging out with 300 queer and trans activists from all over Asia, along with their solidarity partners, beloveds, and funders. I came here to create a desire mapping experience with activists from the region and was thrilled to have Zan Chiam, chair of the Gender Identity and Gender Expression Program at ILGA, join us as one of the lead storytellers for the workshop. I'm so excited to have them join us today for Just Sex. Welcome, Zan. (laughs) Thank you, Jamie. (laughs) Uh, If you could begin by introducing yourself as we do in the workshop with three descriptors of your desire and then any other things that you want us to know about you that's important to you. Mm, So I'm Zan, I'm queer, I'm a switch, 
and I'm a femme and masculine, or whatever the counterpart love, love it. is. <laughs> I like it both. <laughs> Great. Um, so you were one of the lead sharers yesterday in the workshop, which was really just such a gift to everyone. Uh, and I always have so many feelings and thoughts after doing the workshop together. There's always so many amazing shares in the room. So I'm wondering how you're doing today in the aftermath of really taking a big step and telling your story. Yeah, I was like really nervous and you know, I didn't know how to prepare for it. And I only decided on my story, I think the morning of the workshop. Um, but it's, it, you know, I think I've just had to put it aside. I mean, you know, we went straight from that and then we had to go out and keep uh. working. But it was, it was a really beautiful space. But there was so much in there and so much that came out of it. I mean, I haven't even had a chance to talk to my partner about it and I really, really want to, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, people are so different, first of all. Yes. Um, and people's sexualities are so different. And there were people in the workshop who had never had sex before or had never had sex with the bodies that they have now. And I, I, was just, I just wasn't expecting that at a queer conference. Mm. You know, I think these spaces tend to be really like sex, what do you call it? Sex advanced or something. It's this expectation. Mm -hmm. And someone said that, you know, there's this expectation that I need to be queer, but actually I'm straight, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, and, and I don't think, you know, I don't think people would be very accepting of, you know, someone going around and saying they were a virgin, you know? Unless, which did get said Yeah, yesterday. which got said. And, and it just really struck me that there's a lot of assumptions about how much sex we've had and how we've had sex. Um, so it was really nice. But, you know, the workshop was also about emotions. Yes. And about sensuality and um, discomfort. <laughs> um, and not really that much about sexual acts at all. Did we talk very much? Not much, right? A couple people talked about acts. You know, one of the storytellers, the first storyteller mm. in particular, <laughs> talked about a new act that she undertook yeah. uh, with someone. Yeah. But yeah, right? So yesterday really did strike me like people were yearning to talk about sensuality. Mm -hmm. um, I love what you said about, you thought, oh, this, this would be so advanced, right? I, I, I see this in LGBTQ spaces and feminist spaces, even on college campuses, you know, when I give mm. this workshop. Everyone comes in with the fear that they're not advanced enough but also with this kind of expectation that this is a, you know, we've solved this in the community, right? right? We're about to give a bunch of wisdom that's like sort of tired. We all know this already. <laughs> um, and I think one of the things I really love, having been doing this for 10 years, is how unexpected every single workshop is <laughs> because every group is unique, right? And every set of storytellers is unique. And what happens in the room is, it is so emotional. Right. Mm. And um, and I feel like it goes against that thing we do so much in queer, you know, sexual rights and human rights work, which is always talking from our heads. Oh, yeah. And instead, it just comes right out of the breadbasket. You know, it comes right out of the heart or the, you know, the gut. Yeah. And um, and it's it's always a surprise. Yeah. 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 And um you couldn't stop people talking. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> you know, um, 
I, I thought there'd be a lot of prompting, mm-hmm. um, but people really wanted to share or reflect um, and be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, incredible. I mean, we just went into it like that. Yeah. Like within half an hour, people were just telling things. I had someone tell me thing, something that I just did not expect from her in the bit when we were walking around. around yes. You know, and she actually, I was completely shocked that she told me what she told me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems connected to what you said uh, when you first started as well, which is that, oh, you've had no time to really think about it or download because you had to get right back to the work. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like, um, here we are in three or four days with all these amazing queer, trans, intersex activists. And this is the only space to, mm-hmm. to talk about this or to be in this mm-hmm. kind of connection with each other. The rest of it all is business and you know and just the bifurcation of these things yeah. right rather than like what would the work be like if we were you know really more connected in that way that we were in the workshop right as we did what we were doing I mean I think that's that's one of the hopes I have about building this mm. is that um I always say rather than just being in resistance mode all the time, we're actually right. building that world we dream about in yeah. that little few hours we're together. Yeah, I mean, that's what you said. Yeah, that's what you said in the introduction. I mm-hmm. really liked it. And I think, you know, something that I have thought is important that we don't really talk about is in trans spaces, we don't really talk about sex. And it would be nice to have a space, you know, something like what, what you've done to talk about sex and talk about how we feel uncomfortable or comfortable about mm-hmm. different things. Um, yep. I don't know how to do it, mm-hmm. but, but you know, this is inspiring mm-hmm. as a possibility to think about that whole other area um, of empowerment and disempowerment that really affects us and we don't, we don't make time for it. Right. Or we don't feel safe to talk about it. Yeah. We talk, you know, there's sessions on like survivors of assault right there's there's those kinds of sessions but there's not just sexuality right our pleasure our connections yeah i thought your story was just so incredible around the power of just taking time to connect (laughs) and maybe you know um in surprising ways not 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 the way we think it's going to go so i wonder if you'd be willing and interested in telling that story to our listeners yeah so so i mean it's a it's a story of a process and it's a story of me admitting to myself or being in a process of admitting that i was falling in love with somebody Mm -hmm. and acknowledging it so it's it's you know it was at a queer conference just like (laughs) just like this one just like this one and it was somebody that I had known for a short time and and I had, you know, I, I had said that I liked them, mm-hmm. not very eloquently. <laughs> so I got rejected. <laughs> right. Um, but, then, but then we were at this conference together and I, you know, I went there thinking, well, nothing's going to happen, so I'm just going to put it in a box. But, but, you know, I was really, at the same time, hopeful that there was that there would be some connection right and leading up to the to to this conference you know the person had given off a couple of signals that 
it could be a possibility, but it just wouldn't be a possibility straight away. So anyway, right? So so you go there and your mind says no, but you know your heart says maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember being really just obsessed with where this person was at the conference. You know, very very conscious of myself and and seeking out seeking them out all the time. So you know, I know which party they were going to, I'd know which, which workshop they were going to. And we, we ended up at, um, at one of these nights that, that always happen at conferences where there's, you know, there's music and there's parties and we were hanging out with different people, but we were really, I felt like we were really aware of each other and we're doing that sort of, that sort of dance, you know, that you mm-hmm. do, but you're not meant to do it. And we never treated each other this way before. So this was new as well, that the way we interacted had shifted. But my mind said, well, nothing's going to happen. So we stayed and we stayed and, and then and then we ended up, you know, leaving together with someone else and, and, and me and this other person that I wasn't interested in, we, we were at the same hotel and, and this person that I was interested in was an, at another hotel. So the three of us were walking back together and being casual and normal and acceptable and then it, just at the last part of the street you know you had to turn left to go down to 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 that hotel and they were meant to go by themselves and i was meant to follow on with 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 this other person and 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 they said okay i'm well i'm gonna go back to my hotel and i without thinking you know i said okay well i'll walk you back or i'll follow you i don't know why i said you know mm-hmm. and the, the third person just looked and was like, what, you know? And, and I, I felt like self-conscious, but I was just like, okay. And when I said, I'll follow you, you know, this person that I liked didn't react. Right. And didn't say like, what are you, what doing? Are you doing? You don't, you don't live here. Um, so we kind of walked down this, this hill and, and, and it was, I knew where their, their hotel do- door was. And I was like, okay, I've got like, not very long to decide what to do and not very long to like what what do i do when i get to the door so we got to the door and um and i remember there was a cafe or restaurant with lots of people standing and sorry having drinks and dinner outside and then they opened the door and then and said oh okay bye and i was like okay good night and and went in to hug them and then and but it was a real like a real hug and we were like holding on to each other mm-hmm. and I was like oh my god it's you know it's happening and I remember sticking at this point I stuck my foot in the door <laughs> so that they couldn't leave <laughs> so I was gonna trap them <laughs> this hug is not going to you end know, and, you, and like I'm not a big person right but I was right. like no <laughs> I'm gonna keep this door open so we stayed here like kind of holding on to each other like that and the, the restaurant was going on and and I, and I we I think we decided to go inside because we were both a bit felt a bit silly so we went inside and it's just, just this dark hallway um and we just we went against a wall and we just stayed there sort of hugging and stroking each other's arms mm. and they were sort of stroking so I was wearing a, sh- a long sleeve shirt kind of thing and they were like stroking my chest and my arms and my hands and I don't know I was doing it similar and we didn't kiss we didn't kiss the whole night and we just sort of stayed like that for I think an hour 
I really think an hour. And I, and then we started to speak, and we started to say, I, I can't, I, I really can't remember, but I think it was just like, oh, well, I can't believe this is happening. But, but I no, I do remember, I said, you know, I, I said, I totally adore you. And I oh. never, I never say, I never say shit like that. Oh. <laughs> I never say shit like that, but I said, oh, I totally adore you, you know? And, and, and I must have said other things. And so we were sort of hugging and stroke, you know, and it was very tactile and very um, close and emotional. Um, and then, and then at one point, probably at the end of this hour, someone from the hotel sort of walked past mm -hmm. and we realized that we were in a hallway and we should probably move. So we went into their room and just continued like that. And it was, we, we didn't have sex, we didn't kiss on the mouth. Um, you know, we, we kissed each other's like body parts, like necks and sort of hands and feet. Oh. And I, I sort of, I remember stroking them, you know, it, like we're lying in different positions and sort of, you know, feeling and touching and kissing that way. Um, until like five in the morning when they had to go and get a train back home. So, but it was like, I think one of the most intense um, connections I've ever had with anyone. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know whether it's because it was restricted, you know, but I didn't feel restricted. I felt completely free, free. to express myself. Mm -hmm. I w of course, I wanted to kiss them on the mouth, but, you know, we had told ourselves that it wasn't going to happen. But I, I felt like I'd had sex with this person. Right. Because, you know, the other thing as well is, I think, I mean, for those of us who've had one night stands or whatever you call them, you know, you don't really feel a person's entire body. You know, it's, it, get, it becomes very genital, right? Yes. I think, well, my experience of it has been. Mm. But it was, you know, I, I spent, it feels like I spent five hours learning the shape of this person's body and you know the, the firmness and the softness and all of that and 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 so you know I got an impression mm. I, like I, I remember and then I had to go back to my my hotel finally <laughs> but I remember I, I had to sit and wait for my hotel to open because it's a cheap cheap hotel so <laughs> nobody was coming to work until six o'clock so I was just kind of sitting there processing this like sitting on a step outside my hotel door and just remembering like my skin was tingling right the sensations all yeah. the sensations and i could i could feel this person's shape in such a close way yes it was like so gorgeous um and it's such a much deeper impression of a person yeah so i wanted i wanted to share the story because when you asked me to, to speak, I didn't want to talk about sex. I didn't want to talk about... I felt a bit exposed talking about sex. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'd talk about something a bit safer. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and that would also be safe, actually, for this person. Um, right. what, you know, if they ever heard the story or whatever. Right. But it's actually a very... Like, for me, it's a very... Yeah, it's a very intimate revelation of, yes. of, of a part of my life. Or a yes. day in my life. <laughs> yes, I mean, it was such an incredible gift. I mean, your story just broke the whole room open, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, that is why everyone started talking, right? And I, I, in some ways, to me, it feels like a 
much riskier story to tell than, you know, sort of, you know, the wham, bam, thank you, man <laughs> kind of stories we often tell, right? Yeah, Which right. is just really experiencing someone, learning them, yeah, honoring them, worshiping them almost, yeah. it sounds like, right? And, you know, one of the things I think is like, what if this is sex? What if this is sex? Right? I mean, isn't this sex? This sounds like some of the best sex I could ever imagine. <laughs> well, I was thinking this before, I think the morning of the workshop, it's like, we need to continue politicizing what is sex. Yes. Because all that bullshit sex education that people get taught about, this is sex, guys. Yeah, I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, what if it is just about meeting each other and saying, I adore you. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. It's incredible. It like... And then adoring them. <laughs> yeah. It's just an incredibly beautiful story. No, it's really, yeah, it was really, really intense. And I was like, okay, I'm in love. Right. I, I knew I was falling in love, but I was like, yep. you don't behave this way. This way. <laughs> right. um, unless you're falling in love with someone, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very nice connection. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, it's just an absolutely beautiful thank and you. singular experience to share. So <laughs> I really appreciate it. And like when you think about what it really means to give to each other in this way, right? Mm -hmm. And what it creates, what kind of possibilities it creates for us. Like, I think of the kind of... Um, internal strength we gather when we really risk ourselves this way and connect mm. and then letting everyone else know that this is how we're I mean how do you think this relates to the your day job you know I mean you're mm. you're doing gender identity and expression work at Ilga world right I mean we're trying to change so many policies and so many ways of being all across the world so that the people we love, the people we care about, can fully embody themselves, fully live. Mm. Um, what do you think about how these things connect? Or, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm just really interested in what you think. I, I don't know, I'm still processing it. Yes. I really, and I don't know if I'll ever come to an answer. Mm -hmm. I mean... You know, I think it's a reminder because, I mean, we do this work because we care or we're personally affected or mm -hmm. people we love are personally affected. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a reminder about what it's about and how we can do our activism in ways that are more whole. You know, I mean, I just actually had a conversation with someone about like, you know, traditional corporate power structures and traditional institutions and how how management interacts with staff mm -hmm. and the achievements. And there is value in some of those structures, but I mean, we do this work because we want to change the world, yes. right? And if we want to change the world, then these are reminders that actually, this is the way that we need to change. Mm -hmm. Like we are not the same. We don't want to operate in the same, the same way. way. So, I mean, I don't know what straight cis people do. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I really honestly don't in their sex lives. I've heard <laughs> stories. <laughs> I've seen some people have sex. Um, but I just wonder if, if 
you know, maybe it's the way that we have sex is different. It means that the way, and the way we connect with each other is different. It means that the way that we create organizations and movements and structures is going to be different as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, my, I've always felt like queer and trans people, because of the way we're targeted, have something very special to bring to the party and the conversation about intimacy, connection, family formation, relationship, period. Mm. That that experience mm. creates a, you know, a whole set of strategies, resilience, whatever, mm. you know. Um, and also that we don't take for granted what that connection means when we have it. Right. It's so that meaningful. One. That one. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, and I mean, and I know, you know, we heard each other like Matt in those spaces too. I mean, that's sure. not reserved for cis people, right? Yeah. But like those transformational pos- places of possibility that we create that you described, mm. right? Um, I hope they're a part of what we bring when we're thinking about how we relate to our staff. I hope so. Right. And how we want to, you know, how are we building organization and how do we want, you know, how do we want to change all these things? Yeah. No, I I, I totally, I agree with you that, that we do, I think, imbue our sexual or intimate connections with a lot more meaning because there is no script, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, some... In some, no, there are scripts, there right? There are some scripts. But there don't have to be, right? I mean, that, yeah. to me, is the true gift of queerness that nobody talks about, is that we we, we get to make it up as we go along, yeah. right? I mean, you know, whatever gender destinies people have for us, whatever, you know, uh, top-bottom, you know, directions yeah. that really cis heterosexuality is so burdened by, we don't have to give a fuck about any of it. We can do it how we want. Yeah. Um, and some of us, again, just take those things and reinscribe and do mm. horrible stuff. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and I hope some of us are really thinking about what is sex, like in your beautiful story. Yeah. Do you ever do this stuff with like straight cis Oh, yes, absolutely. Groups? Yeah, I do. I do it on college campuses a fair amount. Mm. And then it's a, a mixed group and often, um, you know, cis and straight dominant. Mm. Um, and I can tell you that everyone struggles to just be themselves in bed. Yeah. Everyone struggles to just actually ask for what they really want to want in a one-to-one situation. It's like, you know, all the systems that bear down on us so seriously also bear down on them. Yeah, right. Right? Um, so I think in some ways there's there's a universal struggle going on here, and I mm. think queers have a lot to bring to it. So it's not like they're imposing it on us and only on us. They're also imposing it on themselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I have met so many cis, straight, white men who are absolutely broken mm. by how little space they have for expression of emotions. Mm. And connectivity and how much they police each other around any time. They have an emotion and want to show respect or reverence or tell someone they adore them. Yeah. You know? I think I heard or read once that something like, you know, straight cis guys don't have sex. Or they they don't, you know, they don't catcall or, you know, like, you know, show interest to women 
on the street or wherever for the women. They they do it for the other for men. The men, that's interesting. You know, they do it to show to the show, other men right, that it's it's that, a dominance yeah. Uh, party. Yeah, yeah, tragic for everybody. <laughs> right, for everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, when I first started having sex, I didn't know how to have sex. I had, you know, so I was a I was a lesbian, mm-hmm. you know, and I I had a a girlfriend, and we did literally did not know what to do, and we had to make it up, right? Yeah. And then we made it up, and it was really fun. Yeah. And then I think a year later, I mean, this was in the nineties. A right. year later, I found something that was like a book, you know, and then it described what it said was lesbian sex, you know, and I was like. We don't do any of this. <laughs> like, oh my god! Well, the books often have it so wrong. <laughs> we have not been doing any of this. We haven't even been having lesbian sex. No, that's hilarious. I was like, what do we do now? Should yep. we like, should we like follow the book? Yep. Yep. One of, one of my favorite stories about my son when he was in like, you know, he's, I've been an out lesbian mom from the get-go. And then he was in like 7th, 8th grade. We're driving in the car, all important sex conversations happen in the car <laughs> when you have kids. And he says, um, mom, the guys at school today told me about what you guys do in bed. <laughs> what like, you guys do in bed. I was like, really, right? What, what do we do? And he says, you know. Scissoring. Scissoring. <laughs> and I said, scissoring, describe that to me. And then, he, you know, he shows me where, you know, these two sets of legs are opposite each other yeah. and, you know, pounding each other's pubes, you would imagine. And I was like... Pounding? Uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's uh-huh. going, eh, 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 you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, that's really not anything I've been that interested in. And he was like, really? Well, what is it? And I said, well, um, let's go home. We'll get your Barbies out because he was a big Barbie uh-huh. enthusiast. And I'll show you cute and so and of course you know we do all the things that the in the straight books do you know so i show the barbies doing all the things and he just goes ah you know now stop too much information i was like well you know you brought it up but but yeah what i think is um the books have us all wrong no 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 big news the books have the queers all wrong i was so confused i was like but this like this is not natural (laughs) what is natural and what is common sense is what we've been doing Doing, and it works really well let me let me write an article right i mean it was the 90s so you couldn't immediately blog it or you know go to medium or where i was like how can the whole planet be getting doing this this well I just want to say how great it has been to talk to you. Is there anything else you want our listeners to know or to what's, do you have a parting thought or anything you want to say to sort of put a little bow on your time? No, I just, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the workshop. I mean, I have to say beforehand, I was like, I can see the purpose. I don't know how we're going to get there in an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And at an Asian conference, nobody's going to say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was like really special. And people just allowed themselves to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how, how, how did this just happen? Mm-hmm. So it's a credit to you to give us the space oh, for that. You. And you. I think it really showed me how much that we really, really are dying to connect at this level. And we just haven't created the spaces mm-hmm. or found the spaces to do it. Yep. So it was wonderful. It was an well, absolutely wonderful experience. Let's do more. <laughs> let's do more. Uh, you're listening to Just Sex, Mapping Your Desire. We'll see you next time. And now it's time for da, 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 Definition of the Day. In light of Zahn's spectacular share, 
I'd like to share a term that I picked up when I desire mapped at the Beijing LGBT Center about six years ago, and a term I saw again when ILGA Asia mappers came into the workshop that Zan headlined as they started creating their name tags. And so, definition of the day today is green hat. Green hat. In China, if your lover cheats on you, it is said that he, she, or they gave you the green hat. Desire mappers affixing green hat to their name tags are telling us that they love green hat role play, green hat porn, or green hat sex fantasies. Some mappers who hail from East Asia have told me that green hat fantasy writing is what we in the West might call cuckold scenes. That is an elaborately negotiated scene where one partner watches another person who may be a stranger, friend, or hired hand have sex with their lover or partner. Cuckolding involved what has been described to me as a delicious mix of shame and humiliation for the person receiving the green hat, gratifying power and domination sex for the two people delivering the green hat, and perhaps a slutty getting over on the patriarchy rush for women and feminine identified subjects of the green hat scenario. So there you have it, green hat. If it's on your desire map, I hope someone you lust or love for gives you the green hat today. And if you're enjoying yourself here every week, I hope you'll tell your friends about the podcast. Subscribe and go to iTunes and give us five stars. You can also go over to Patreon and become a monthly supporter. Any and all support is greatly appreciated. Finally, if you want to get in touch with me for coaching or to buy my book or just to give us feedback on this week's or any week's episode, you can get me at justsexpod at gmail.com. Let's finish up with question of the day. This question is in the early quarter of my book, Great Sex, Mapping Your Desire, and is actually a three-part question. So here we go. Question 1A. What's the best sex I've ever had? Why was it great sex? Okay, I'll do that again. What's the best sex I've ever had? Why was it great sex? Then 1B. Is there a gap between what I say I want and what I truly desire? Again, 1B. Is there a gap between what I say I want and what I truly desire? And 1C. What is that gap about? What is that gap about? If you'd like to tell me about it, you can email me. JustSexPod at gmail.com New York in June How about you? I like a Gershwin tune How about you? I love a fireside When a storm is due I like potato chips Moonlight motor trips 
about you I'm mad about good books Can't get my fill And Franklin Roosevelt's looks Give me a thrill Holding hands in the movie show When all the lights are low May not be new But I like it How about you? 